UFOs, UFO sightings. Declassified CIA documents UFO conspiracy theorists believe confirm the existence of UFOs. Alien abductions, first-hand reports of strange objects in the sky, and a man named Philip J. Class who offers $10,000 of his own money to anyone who can prove aliens actually exist, and no one ever collects it. Why? Find out in this episode of Elton Reads a Book a Week. Oh, shit. And I talked to a real alien. Uh, I feel like I probably should have led with that. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Welcome to Elton Reads Book a Week, the only podcast ever that absolutely guarantees you won't catch COVID-19 from listening to it. I don't have the vaccine, so, so I mean, stay at home. Um, I am your host, Elton, and I read a book a week. Host is such a weird word, isn't it? I feel like it is. I feel like I'm running a meeting or a Christmas party or some shit. Really, it's just you and me, and unless you're playing podcasts at an orgy, you which you really shouldn't be having because the people there, I mean, you could be secret, they could be secretly killing you. And, and if it is, and if it is an, an orgy, I mean, they could be doing that in multiple ways. I, I don't think I should be called a host. I didn't bring a snack tray or a boner. If, it, if this is being played at an orgy. Hi folks. I'm sorry. First, before I get into the book, a few housekeeping things. Which, I hate using that word too. This isn't a... Ha- I mis- okay, I mispronounced the word um, tithe in the last episode. It's tithe, not tith. I had already recorded the thing and I put it up before I realized uh, how stupid I can be. And, and am. How incredibly stupid I can be. So I apologize for that. It, it happens. Um, probably more than you realize. Um, let me know the... First day talking, Elton. Let me know by contacting me online. Um, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Elton Reads a Lot, on Facebook at Elton Reads Too Much, and Elton Reads a Book a Week on Instagram um, at Elton Reads a Book a Week on Instagram. And if you can, if you want to, uh, and if you want to contribute to the podcast of Elton Reads a Book a Week. You can do that at Patreon or the podcast's uh, homepage on anchor.fm. All right, I know what you're saying. You're saying, get on with it. Okay, 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 I am. Stop yelling at me, okay? You sexy motherfucker. I, that, that was weird. Did I make it weird? I did. I made it weird. Damn it. All right, all right. All right. The book I'm tossing out this time is UFOs, The Public Deceived by Philip J. Class, a fine, delectable, grade-A choice cut of reading that starts off tart with a pleasantly pungent bouquet and finishes rough with a softcore skinamax dream of swathing broken dream conspiracy nightmares between fake titties. I don't know what that was. I just kind of drifted off there. You, You know, one day... My brain won't come back from one of those, and I'm going to end up a vegetable. Just a husk of a human being hooked up to machines to live and just shitting himself in bed in a hospital somewhere. Should we clean them, they'll say, and 
nah, 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 fuck that for right now. I want to show you that video about grapefruiting, that weird blowjob jerking a guy off with fruit thing. You know, I'm, I'm not really interested. This Helton guy smells like shit so bad, though. So bad. <sighs> God damn it. All right, I fucking did it again. Damn it. All right, the book is UFOs, The Public Deceived by Philip J. Class. So, who is Philip J. Class? And why did he write a book about the public being deceived? And, and how does he know about it? And who's lying to us? And who's lying to you? And why don't you know? Some scandalous shit is afoot. That's a word not used enough anymore, too, is it? It is scandalous. I, I dare you to fit that into a conversation today and let, let, me, know how, uh, let me know how you do. Uh, Philip J. Class once dubbed the Sherlock Holmes of ufology in a book review from somewhere. I, I read it somewhere. Anyway, he was born on uh, November 8th, 1919 and disappeared August 9th, 2005 in a bizarre scene that was captured on a blurry beta video cassette recorder made sometime in the late 80s or early 90s. It took over 12 years to finally see what was on the tape as no one could figure out how to play it. It was later rediscovered that the camera could be connected to a TV and used to play the tape after an elderly janitor named Steve, who repeatedly claimed to have two degrees, showed them how to connect it. Upon watching the tape, which was found a full 26 feet away from his body, it revealed Philip Class being beaten to death by four short spindly figures with large heads, black eyes, and gray skin, while battering Mr. Class with several large silvery dildos. The figures repeatedly shouted variations of death to skeptics and probe his skull and uh, ignorance is the new smarts you stupid nerd the shaky blurry video ends with one of the beings approaching the camera operator and initiating the following exchange the being approaching the camera asks why are you recording this fander the being named vander replies because the humans need to know that the buthagan ain't nothing to fuck with how are they ever going to know that if they never see the tape stupid Oh, oh, we're not going to... No, no, we're not, Vander. All this shit is secret. It's secret, Vander. The skeptic beating, it's secret. Secret? God damn it, Vander. Destroy that thing so we can beam up. Can I just toss it? Is it a beta camera? Yeah, it is. Oh, well, then just toss the fucking thing. No one uses beta. I'll never be able to play that. The camera is thrown hard before cutting to static upon impact. In a shocking twist, Philip J. Class could never have predicted himself. His disappearance is held as evidence, proving once and for all the aliens do in fact exist, and the entire UFO community has been right all along, posthumously destroying his entire life's work. The U.S. government recognizes the tape as confirmation of extraterrestrial life, and it's why we declared war on them. When asked to comment on their decision, which led to our defeat, NASA, Director of Alien Communication, answers by saying, It is not our position to ever question our alien overboards. We thank them vigorously and often for their mercy and their mighty dildo technology. And oh, Elton, for the love of God, please stop making this shit up, you goddamn buffoon. In reality, Philip J. Class died of cancer in Cocoa, Florida on August 9, 2005. Not by an alien dildo beating. But, but you know, I mean, you saw it in your head though, right? Don't lie. No. What if it did happen, though, right? I'm sure you'd have heard about it. Or would you? Would you? Conspiracy! 
Mr. Klass was an American journalist and UFO researcher known for his criticism regarding UFOs. He was born in Des Moines, Iowa, a city that, should it find itself transformed into a person one day, would be the most boring white guy you could possibly imagine, and he would probably kill himself. Seriously, okay? The guy you mentally picture when I say the words insurance salesman, that the guy that popped into your head just now, that guy, he'd be Des Moines, Iowa, looking for the quickest way off this mortar coil. Yeah. I'm leaning hard into 80s pop culture stereotypes for that one. I mean, the population is 82.3% white, so I stand by that description. Uh, power ties, sports coats with shoulder pads and all. Uh, Des Moines is nicknamed Hartford of the West, as in Hartford, Connecticut, apparently a slightly less depressingly boring city. Perhaps Hartford, if converted into an insurance salesman, is the bad boy kind that gets tanked at conventions and... Uh, calls but never actually follows through with getting a hooker and then uh, that steals pens back at the office because his middle name is Danger. Either way, the reasoning behind the nickname is that they both have insurance companies headquartered in their respective cities. Yeah, that's the reason. I almost wanted to kill myself while giving you that description. One semi-exciting thing does happen in Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, it is the site of the first caucus of the presidential primary cycle which carries a lot of importance in U.S. presidential politics. Many presidential candidates set up campaign headquarters in Des Moines. In 2007, uh, a 2007 article in the New York Times said, If you have any desire to witness presidential candidates in the most close-up and intimate of settings, there's arguably no better place to go than Des Moines. So, if you want to bump fists with a possible future president, the place to uh, be every four years is Des Moines, Iowa. Just be sure to... Uh, to attempt a fist bump in a quieter area. All too often, in, in louder settings, a fist bump gesture can be misconstrued as a request for fisting, which is not what you think it is. Or, I mean, depending on your sexual proclivities, is exactly what you think it is. Regardless, should the wires cross on uh, exactly what kind of fisting you're requesting, it, it, it's going to lead to an uh, unpleasant and awkward exchange. Unless they need your vote really, really, really badly. Though he was born in Des Moines, however, Philip Class was actually raised in Cedar Rapids, the city of five seasons, referring to its harvest, quote-unquote, harvest season, or ability to harvest and process the large, abundant crops of marijuana, cocaine, and peyote, which is used to make mescaline. Um, they can harvest that year-round, making its seemingly never-ending yield like a fifth season. For harvesting, the residents are exceedingly proud of their fifth season, with many of the residents donning shirts or displaying signage proclaiming the city's motto of Enjoy our fifth season. Get high off our supply. It's a terrible, terrible lie. I'm sorry, Cedar Rapids. I'll, it is nicknamed the City of Five Seasons. The fifth season is said to be the time to enjoy the other four seasons. I don't know what that means. But that's, that, that's, that's the actual reason. It still doesn't make sense to me. So... I'm sorry if you're disappointed uh, that it wasn't the drug thing. I kind of am, and I made all that shit up. After growing up on the mean streets of Cedar Rapids, Philly Phil graduated from Iowa State in 1941 with a BS in electrical engineering. Class worked as an avionics engineer for General Electric, and in 1952 he decided to try his hand at technical journalism with Aviation Week and Space Technology Magazine, called AV Week, which eventually became known as the Bible of the aerospace industry. It was here that he got his first bitter taste of what he later described as the motherfucking horseshit, shit-stained bullshit of ufology. 
When asked how a stain not only could be stained with shit, but fuck someone's mother while also being simultaneously coming out of two separate animals, he answered with an angry sneer while clutching his testicles. Testicles is a fun word to say. I made up the rest. The engineering part is real. But given his strong background in things like science-based knowledge, logic, and reason, he tended to view all things that stank of horseshit with a bit of skepticism. Given the popularity of UFOs and their proclivity toward uh, being spotted flying, you know, way up high in the sky and whatnot, Philly Filson class gravitated toward debunking what he uh, must have felt were nonsensical stories about flying objects not remotely tethered to any agreed-upon reality. His first investigation in 1966 was of a sighting two years earlier near Socorro, Socorro, New Mexico. Goodness. He found that it had been a hoax perpetrated, perpetrated in an attempt to bring tourism to the economically depressed town. He said, <clears throat> I'll, try, I'll try something weird. Two years earlier, a policeman, Lonnie Zamora, had reported witnessing an egg-shaped UFO land. Two ETs in coveralls briefly scurried around, and then the UFO blasted off like a rocket. Now, at the time, I suspected that uh, some glowing UFOs near high-tension power lines might be freak atmospheric phenomena, which I called plasma UFOs, similar to ball lightning. And I knew that the Socorro area frequently suffered intense thunderstorms, so I suspected that Zamora might have seen a plasma. Dr. J. Allen Hynek had already briefly investigated this case for the Air Force's Project Blue Book and uh, had rejected the possibility of a hoax, so, so that thought hadn't even entered my mind when I went down there. That was weird. All right. <clears throat> He said that uh, all reports of strange phenomena had common sense explanations. He went on to say, But that began to change when an atmospheric physicist at the New Mexico Institute of Technology in Socorro told me that he hadn't even bothered to take the few minutes to drive to the site. He explained to me how the town was economically depressed and that the city officials were trying to attract industry and urged me to nose around a bit. I soon learned that the local newspaper ran a box in every issue saying that the most efficient way to attract new business is to first attract tourists. When I interviewed a man who lived right near the landing site and had been working in his garden when the UFO supposedly blasted off, he told me that he hadn't heard a thing and that when he visited the site soon afterwards, he saw no physical evidence to support Zamora's story and suspected that it was a hoax. When I interviewed the police radio dispatcher who had taken Zamora's call for backup, he recalled that, strangely, Zamora had not requested a fellow police officer or someone from Socorro's sheriff's office, but instead asked for a specific state trooper be sent. And I found out that Socorro's mayor owned the landing site property and the town's only bank and earlier had sought approval to build a new road to the UFO site for the benefit of tourists. Class did not fuck around. He came at UFO claims ready to play. That is to say, he dug until he found the truth, not, not to play around. Yeah, you get my drift. Mr. Class applied a careful, reasoned analysis to what is often a very emotional topic, as he repeatedly found explanations for saucer sightings and natural phenomena and objects. He used details like the typefaces on documents to question the veracity of what some contended were deliberately covered up government documents. That last bit was a quote from the Chicago Tribune. Well, all of it except for the class to not fuck around part and uh, being ready to play. 
That, that was me. Class was so serious about debunking UFO conspiracists. <sighs> Class was so serious about debunking UFO conspiracists. There it is. And their stories. He offered a $10,000 reward for any credible proof of an alien in 1966. Class made that offer, and it stood for the remaining 39 years of his life. By 1974, the offer had changed slightly to the following form. Class agreed to pay to the second party the sum of $10,000 within 30 days after any of the following occur. A. Any crash space... <laughs> A. Any crash spacecraft or major piece of a spacecraft is found to be clearly of extraterrestrial origin by the United States National Academy of Sciences. B. The National Academy of Sciences announces that it has examined other evidence which can which conclusively proves that Earth has been visited by extraterrestrial spacecraft in the 20th century. C. A bona fide extraterrestrial visitor born on a celestial body other than the Earth appears live before the General Assembly of the United Nations or on a national television program. The party accepting this offer pays class $100 per year for a maximum of 10 years. Each year, none of these things occur. That's it little get back there don't you think i mean it's, it's never gonna pay out so why not get some get some for you class made this offer openly to anyone the offer was specifically declined by frank edwards john g fuller and j allen hynek and james harder some of whom were the most vocal promoters of the extraterrestrial hypothesis one person entered into the agreement with class a man in seattle washington accepted the terms in 1969 and made two annual payments of a hundred dollars then in 1971 he wrongly claimed the prize when it was pointed out that his claim didn't meet any of the conditions the man let the agreement lapse now, of course in another challenge in his book ufos explained class offered to refund the full purchase price to every reader of the book if it had if any of the conditions of his ufo challenge were ever met in another challenge class claimed lexicographic inconsistencies based on the use of pika typeface in the cutler slash twinning memo and offered a hundred dollars to stanton friedman for each legitimate example of the use of the same style and size pika type as used in the memo actually you know friedman provided 14 examples and was paid $1,000 by class. So the guy kept up his end. He also offered $10,000 to anyone who could prove he worked. That means class, Philip Class. He offered $10,000 to anyone who could prove that Philip Class himself worked for a government agency. In addition to the 10K gauntlet he threw down on ufologists' asses, he laid out additional fun money winning opportunities for them. When during a phone interview, a UFO conspiracy theorist claimed that Mr. Class worked so hard on debunking UFO theories because he was being paid by the CIA. Philip didn't take kindly to that substantiated bullshit, so he called the guy on it. If you can prove it, I'll give you 10000 No, no, fuck that. Fuck that. I'll make it $25,000, you know, to adjust for inflation. And, and hell, I'll even give you copies of my tax returns to peruse for evidence. That I'm being paid by the government, motherfucker. He didn't say it that colorfully, but uh, but I thought it needed a little spicing up. What a set of balls on Philly Phil to put his money where his, uh, I mean, we're, we're Des Moines Phil. We're Des Moines Phil to put his money where his mouth is. All right. It was these kinds of constant challenges and stories and proof 
thrown down by UFO conspiracy folk that I believe prompted the writing of this book because he seems to systematically dismantle and, and take a big, wet, greasy truth dump on a lot of their claims chapter by chapter. Actually, when I spotted the book at a thrift store, my impression of the title was that uh, the public was being deceived in that aliens exist. You know, the government's been lying to you. They're here. They're here to take your jobs. Shit. Oh, shit. Wrong aliens. Wrong, wrong fear mongering. God damn it. You know, I've always had a soft spot for aliens from space. I mean, since I was a kid. It was that and, and Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster, ghosts. But, uh, but only the true ghost stories. None of that campfire bullshit with psychos and hooks and the scraping across the, the top of the car. None of that. Fuck that. I'm all about real people being terrified, you know, because uh, being that I'm a person who, who is very easily terrified by things that should be dead, but suddenly don't appear to be, I can relate to that, uh, that terrified person. The same goes for large creatures in water that's too deep to touch the bottom and, and being alone in the woods with large ape-like uh, humans that can tear me apart as an afterthought. I, uh, I want my sympathy terror sweats and uh, unreasonably fast bathroom visits to be relatable. So naturally, I grabbed this book thinking, sweet, some UFO true story nightmares. God bless those slow-witted Midwesterners who always seem to find themselves alone on dark highways and or fields on suspiciously clear nights. Well, what's that strange light up in the sky, they say? It seems to be pulsing out a message saying, free missing time and anal probing. Weird, <laughs> but I'll take it. Beat me up. It comes at you with an article right out of the gate from the New York Times that states, An organization seeking to scientifically prove or disprove the existence of aliens had found proof among documents they sued the CIA for under the Freedom of Information Act regarding information they believed the CIA was withholding regarding UFOs. That organization, uh, which was called Ground Saucer Watch, is now defunct, uh, believed that documents prove a cover-up by the CIA. Documents, the same documents that Philip J. Class then uses to disprove the whole thing. Same ones. Because why use your own bullets in a gunfight when you can just use theirs? For those not in the know, the Freedom of Information Act is a law that was passed in 1967, making it so that any person has the right to request access to federal agency records or information, except to the extent that the records are protected from disclosure by any of nine exemptions contained in the law or by one of three special law enforcement record exclusions. The CIA complied with the uh, court order you know, that they were sued. They lost, and, and, and they complied with the court order, uh, ordering them to release what they had. And and they did. And then, and then some, nearly nearly a 1,000 pages worth. They actually asked the court if, if it was okay to release more than they were ordered to. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, more. They were like, can, can we just give them all of this, all of this shit? In these documents, Ground Saucer Watch thought they found evidence that UFOs exist, that, they, that they're real, and the U.S. government has been totally untruthful and covering it up, and it's massive. Uh, Philly Phil was intrigued. Not Philly Phil. Des Moines Phil was intrigued, as any good truth-seeking debunker would be. Evidence, you say? What evidence do you speak of? Let me, let me see. Let me see it. Whip it out. Whip it out, liar. Liar. Sorry. I kind of got lost in the, in the moment. No, he, he didn't say it like that, but he did request the same documents they looked through and found not a damn thing. Then he asked, 
he asked them where this proof was within the documents because, you know, he has the same exact ones to which their reply was crickets. No, I mean, not, they didn't, they didn't send him crickets. It was not, it was nothing. They had, they had nothing. He, the sound of, you know, I can't do the sound. He did, however, find that the government did study UFOs, but found evidence was so lacking in in, UF, in, in finding UFOs that they just kind of said, fuck it. It's a waste of money. It's stupid. So stupid. Now, at first, it, it wasn't. When they, when they first started looking into UFOs, the Cold War was in full swing. And they thought, hey, could these reports of UFOs be a be a risky plot to distract from the real risky plot of plotting to fire missiles at the U.S. to end our plotting to end their plots? Perhaps it was the Russians. Perhaps the Russians have a plan to build up American paranoia with a bunch of UFO shenanigans while also using the guise of UFOs to distract American defense systems. A basic version would be to send up a bunch of weather balloons with lights or something then when all the radar operators and are, are calling all the fighter jets out to go chase them down, then you fire missiles at the U.S. while, while everyone's out chasing balloons. And then, and then literally, boom. Not, not like the last one, but this one is destruction. Those tricky Cold War ruskies. Rusky? Rusky? Rusky is a funny word. I don't know if it's derogatory, so forgive me if it is. I mean... I don't mind Russians. Uh, I mean, you know, I want to visit one day. That'd be kind of cool. Not in the winter, though. I mean, it, but the word brusky, it just has me imagining a 70-year-old terrified white guy living in the early 60s, like sweating while ranting to a news station. Why? Why I find senior citizen terror so amusing? I don't, I don't know. I'm fucked up, I guess. I'm a broken human being. So the government held secret meetings with scientists, doctors, engineers, etc. to determine the feasibility of UFOs and if they might be used in some way to, you know, help kill America. They were secret because they didn't want Russia to know about them. Simple, clean explanation. However, when you make anything secret, conspiracy nutters will assume you're plotting against them despite the logical explanation for the secrecy. So it goes, so it goes. A UFO sighting, encounter, and or conspiracy is served up by the UFO community as proof of a conspiracy, you know? And Mixmaster class beats it the fuck down. There are so many good ones in this book, I wanted to include them all. But, but I mean, seriously, we'd be here all week. Instead, I chose the best, most notable one that really, really jumped out at me, and it's the famous abduction of Travis Walton, uh, later turned into a movie titled Fire in the Sky. It's the stuff of legend and nightmares. I learned about it by watching the movie when it hit HBO in the 90s. Um, and I, I, I don't remember if I started before it or after it, but it fed right into that. Uh, it fueled my curiosity to learn more about aliens. It really did. And whether aliens are in fact visiting us, you know, and whether they'd stop by to help me clean up the puddle of, of pee underneath uh, and around my feet because this movie scared the piss out of me. And upon reading... Uh, reading about it in this book, I, I learned a lot about the idiosyncrasies that just don't add up in, in Travis Walton's story or seem to spell out. It actually spells out an entirely different story. 
than the one I saw in the movie, obviously, and read about in other alien abduction books. Still, I wanted to uh, give this abduction story a fair shake, so I thought, what better way to do that than to talk to an actual alien about it, using the newly modified Franklin box modifications performed by uh, people you don't know about yet, which, but but you will in a future episode. I I promise you. Uh, probably the next one, actually. <sighs> I mean, you know, time travel stuff. So I fired up the box, as I was told to give it a good run in and put it through its paces. I was told this despite not being given any instructions on how to use the new features or even what the new features were. Regardless, I just kind of, I just kind of went for it using the box. So why, why not give the Benjamin Franklin box a go, right? It, I was kind of given permission. Anyway, I sort of called an alien and talked about Travis Walton. And uh, here's that conversation. So I understand this right. You're an actual, you're an actual space alien. That's racist. How? I don't know. Technically, nobody is an alien, are they? Right? It's all about perspective. If you want to get ignorant and silly about it, you're an alien to me. How does that feel? Look, I I didn't mean to offend you. I've never contacted a different, I I kind of figured I was, I I guess, uh, technically right. Nobody is. It's just a, it's just a definition. Is it? It's technical nothing, racist. That's a little mean. Is it? Didn't think racists had feelings, to be honest. Hey, that that's not fair. No. So what are what 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 would you call yourself? Uh, Were I to apply labels to my being, which my culture and personal sensibilities are what to do, but since it's being demanded, I would say I'm. Uh, Trans-universal migrational transitory entity. Trans-universal? Correct. Trans-universal migrational transitory entity. I'm a being capable of traveling across the multiverse. Well, most of it. I'm kind of restricted from the ones not conducive to the physical properties of my being. So you travel to different dimensions. Oh, so you're one of those types. Listen, racist, not all trans beings are the same, okay? Lumping us all together willy-nilly will win you no favors in the trans-universal community. Hey, whoa, this, this is getting way more complicated. I just meant to illustrate that you're, you know, that you're not a space alien per se. Not you, any more than you are to me. Uh, 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 what are you called? Elton. Right. Elton. You're a quote-unquote alien to me, as I am to you. So basically, neither of us are aliens. Get it? The alien stuff, it's racist. Right, sorry. I, I think what I meant to say is you're, you're not a human being. What the shit is a human being? I'm a human being. I think you mean racist. Hey, that's, we're not, ra- wait, we're not racist. We're, okay, wait, we're not all of us. Not all of us are racist. I, I'm, I'm a human. Be, human racist. Be, I think we got off on the wrong foot here. I'm, I'm just trying to expand my understanding of alien abduction by a foreign entity. So I just wanted an al- an outside perspective from another being on the subject. So I just wanted to clarify for people listening uh, that you are not that you are not in fact native to a planet to a planet called Earth. Is that safe to say? I can. I mean, that's. Well, I mean, where are you located? Where are you currently located? What the fuck is an Earth? 
Okay, so you're not from Earth. Is that where the racist comes no, from? No, 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 that's not. I just wanted to clarify that you're not from here. I Not from where I'm from. Where, where are you located? My home world is called High School Musical 2. William Burroughs is asked crack by a Kamola. What? Are all racists incapable of understanding their own language? I said, High School Musical 2. William Burroughs is asked crack via Kamola. Are you fucking with me? Do I sound like I'm in the mood to play around? It's in the star cluster of Astroclide, Universe, Freeman Morgan. It's just that those names sound like things found where I'm from. That's a common problem with multi-universal translators. They're never 100% accurate. I once talked to a being and accidentally purchased a moon. You bought a moon? Goodness, no. I eventually sussed out what the error was, and I figured it would be best just to hang up and not answer when they called back. How did that work out? Last I heard, there was a war followed by a genocide. What? Yeah, but I didn't have to buy the damn moon, so I call it a win. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh... I'm just going to get right into uh, what I called for. So, so thank, thank you for your, thank you for your time. Thank you. Uh, Travis Walton was an American forestry worker that claims to have been abducted by a UFO. Until the mid 1960s, there were no U.S. reports of persons who claimed to have been abducted and taken aboard a flying saucer against their will. That is until Travis Walton was allegedly abducted on November 5th, 1975. I'm intrigued. Oh. Okay, I'll I'll go on. Um, Travis Walton was the first you quote unquote UFO abductee. Uh, I'm sorry, I should I should probably tell you what a UFO is. Unidentified flying object. Yeah, go on. Yeah, that's how did you know that? Just go on for fuck's sake. Oh, okay, okay, uh, uh, okay. Uh, uh, he he was the first UFO abductee to be reported to law enforcement officers while the quote unquote victim was still missing. He was missing for five days. The event is described like this. Walton was a member of a seven-man crew, uh, clearing out stuff in the forest, uh, logging kind of thing. Um, they were in an area of the Stigreaves National Forest, located in the mountains of uh, east-central Arizona. The crew had quit uh, working around dusk and was heading back up a rough logging road for the ride back home, and it was in a pickup truck. Reportedly, the guy riding in the bed of the truck was the first to see the yellowish glow through the heavy timber. When the truck reached a clearing, Travis and Travis and another guy reported seeing a saucer-shaped object hovering less than a hundred feet off the road, directly over a pile of cut timber. Travis, riding in the passenger seat, yelled for the driver to stop. But before he could do so, Travis got out and ran toward the UFO. He completely disregarded the warnings of the other crew members. When he neared the object, there was a sudden flash of blue-green light, like an explosion or stroke of lightning. It blew him back ten feet, they reported. The driver panicked and drove off in haste, leaving Travis to his fate. They drove roughly a quarter of a mile before they argued amongst themselves, and they agreed to go back, and they did, and they went back for Travis. But when they returned to the clearing, both he and the saucer were gone. They then drove back into town and called the police. The officer said they seemed pretty upset. Three of the crew refused to return to the site to search for Travis, where other people did search for hours in vain. <clears throat> the police called upon Travis's mother at her house to break the news to her, 
When the police told her that her son was missing, possibly abducted by aliens, the officer said she did not act very surprised, saying, quote, well, that's the way these things happen, unquote. <laughs> well, hold on a second. Travis couldn't be found for five days. There were multiple searches directed by the authorities, with one odd exception. There was a family cabin that was voluntarily searched by a member of the family instead of police. They said Travis wasn't there. No law enforcement officer ever searched the cabin themselves, instead just relying on the word of Travis's brother. Travis returned home five days later by calling his sister's home from a phone booth outside a gas station on the outskirts of town. A telephone operator tipped off the police as to the origin of the call, but they arrived there too late. Travis was already gone. They then drove on to the sister's house, only to find the lights on, but the shades drawn. Travis's brother was outside, but he gave no indication that Travis had returned or that he was inside or even that he had called. Instead, um, his brother and uh, Travis waited until uh, the officers had left before they drove to Phoenix and contacted UFO researchers and a hypnotherapist to examine Travis. There was a physical examination and a drug test performed with Travis's brother maybe switching urine samples. Maybe. After that, they essentially hid from reporters and the authorities. Lie detector tests were given to the crew, and most of them passed, and one was inconclusive. Travis took a lie detector test uh, pretty early on um, with a pretty experienced examiner and failed fucking miserably. Later, he took another and passed, but that guy wasn't so ex wasn't as experienced. Uh, apparently, that's a big deal with lie detector tests. It depends on the experience of the examiner and how they do it and the questions they ask. Overall, uh, Philip Class presents a lot of evidence to rebuke the claims laid out by Travis and his UFO researching supporters. Okay, <laughs> basically saying it was staged. Travis hid out in the family cabin for five days, maybe doing drugs as he had a history of doing shit like that. And uh, he, he emerged just long enough. And this is a theory. Uh, he, he emerged from his uh, abduction thing just long enough to warrant a delay of the logging contract that they were already behind on. And also, uh, he might have done it to possibly try and win a $100,000 National Enquirer prize for proof of extraterrestrial for proof of extra extraterrestrials my god such a hard stupid word for proof of extraterrestrials existing so thoughts um otherworldly being it's it's kectomio you're oh you're you're uh okay kectomio yeah okay see that Sorry. i don't mind you your I don't mind is. using names and calling someone another worldly being. I don't mind being from another world. Uh, I can get behind that. As for this abduction story, it, uh, it doesn't make sense from an exploratory and research standpoint. Okay. I, I don't understand. Why would otherworldly beings, as you said, uh, doing research, try to find a subject to study way out in the woods or wherever, away from everyone else? And human racists uh, are a herd-like species, right? I, I think human beings. Yes, A lot of human racists live together in groups, right? Mostly. You don't have to add racists. Yes, your, your beings come, come together naturally. So why wouldn't other worldly explorers study multiple beings all at once? It would save time, you know? 
I can see that logic, but um, as for studying anatomy, they they would recognize the ability of your species uh, to to accumulate knowledge and and simply try to access those knowledge centers uh, or intercept information uh, transferred electronically or otherwise. Well, why would they risk initiating an unneeded uh, conflict with your with your species just to gather research? Yeah, that. But if they had superior means, it would be like snatching an inferior being to study. Who cares what the consequences are if it's inferior? Who cares? Well, if that's the case, then why would they need a? Why would they need to hide it? Merely show up in the center of a large cluster of your domiciles and uh, take as many beings as they like. They can do nothing. I mean, if you can do nothing about it, why, why go through all the trouble of secretly roaming in the wilderness just to find one when you can have as many as you want in dense population? I never, I never thought of it that way. Maybe you should, Elton. Uh, I think you would find yourself a lot less of a racist with a poor understanding of trans beings. I'm not racist. I'm not. I'm not racist. There's, there's nothing wrong with. There's nothing wrong with trans people. A racist, trans, confused person would say that. That that's not. That's no. That's not Actually, right. Actually, I, I enjoyed our exchange today, Elton. I, should you have any further questions regarding interstellar beings, trans universal or otherwise, I'd be glad to help. <laughs> Thank well, thank you. I pre- I appreciate that. Uh, One must fight ignorance wherever they find it. I agree, but that's n- not no. See, that's not. I'm not. <sighs> thank you for listening to this episode of Elton Reads a Book a Week. If you enjoyed it, please give it a five star review on uh, whatever platform you get your podcast from. It goes a long way toward uh, helping it, helping the podcast. And, uh, you know, it makes it easier to find. Uh, you can tell a friend, sibling, coworker, stranger, bus driver, dog lover, delivery driver, pizza shop owner, um, stuck on pizza. Um, you can tell them about the podcast, too. Every little bit of the word of mouth process helps. Be sure to follow uh, on all the uh, social medias, too. That'd be cool. Um, you can just search for Elton Reads a Book a Week anywhere, and it should pop up. I, I think I have them all. I even went on TikTok, I think. I don't know why. I I don't know why I did, but I did. I, I, did. I don't know. Um, follow me there. Why not? If you want to contribute, again, uh, you can do so through Patreon.com, like I said at the beginning, and uh, through Anchor.fm uh, slash Elton <laughs> dash reads dash a dash book dash a dash week. God damn, that's a lot, isn't it? Um, I, I, I put all the money back into the podcast. I'm using a new microphone now. It's more expensive than the other one I had. Not that that makes it better. It might. I don't know. You tell me. I got this cool uh, USB interface. I'm I'm very proud. Um, I hope it improves the sound. I, I haven't found out yet because I'm recording with it right now, but I will uh, as soon as I'm done here. So again, um, thank you. Thank you very, very much for listening. I really do appreciate it. It takes me a while between these, I know, but uh, but I'm glad someone is out there to listen to them when I'm done. So, uh, again, thank you. I'm sincere. I'm being very sincere about that. And if you should uh, ever find yourself bored and with nothing, nothing to do after listening to an episode, maybe, uh, you know, read a book, huh? Don't let them die out. You know, we need them. <laughs>